Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 143 of the Get Around Podcast. Sitting in the host chair today, as usual, as always, your favorite, Jake Atnip. Across from me, Wait, my really? favorite, no. what? Andrew Rosenthal. And next to me, my least favorite, who's James favorite? Cook. You're my least favorite. So are we really? Yeah, but you're who's favorite? Who's favorite? Mine, at least. I don't know. Everybody's. That's <laughs> what we're sitting here and talking about, right? I don't know. We just we just realized that I'm having trouble with my vision and numbers, so I'm going to leave the stats to these guys today. Yeah, he opened up the show with uh, saying it's episode 134. Yeah, we had a we, we had a mishap. Like 20 seconds ago. Yeah, we had a mishap, but it's okay. We got it right this time, and we are excited for episode 143 of the Get Around Podcast, which is sponsored by Jimmy John's. We have a lot to go over today. We're going to get into the pulse, obviously talk about week two takeaways from the football season while it's still rocking and rolling. We went out to a couple games last week. Andrew's going to give us a full update from Kingsley. Got to see them in action last week. I got to see Traverse City Central Petoskey, and James is going to dive into the rest of these matchups from it's last week. a bit of Traverse City Central Petoskey. Yeah, yeah. You got to, you got, we actually got to cover a game together for the first time. Sort of, yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that. Man, we were in the field together for the first time in like a year. <laughs> it's been a long time. Usually the Patriot game is the only time that we really do that. Yeah, yeah, usually. And this year we didn't because we had... We had other stuff going on. Yeah, we just... And we have limited attendance. We can't have nine people from one news organization getting into the Patriot game. True. Either way, we're going to be talking about all that good stuff Uh, later on in the episode. We're going to talk a little bit about cross country. Had a really exciting race this weekend that I'm going to tell you guys about. We're going to get into our interview with Cadillac's Noah Cochran. Running back led them to a win over Gaylord last week. They are 2-0 and are staring down the barrel of a matchup with 2-0 undefeated Traverse City Central. Basically, it's not de facto, but... There are only two teams left undefeated in the Big North Conference, so that is a big game. We're going to go ahead and chat with him about that and leading up to that and hear from him and the Vikings as to how they plan to stop uh, Traverse City Central's high-powered offense. After that, we're going to get into some chatter that matters where Andrew is going to update us on schools reporting COVID in sports or just really in general. And uh, we're going to talk about some different things about how COVID has impacted sports in the chatter that matters section. I did a story last week that kind of sparked a conversation between uh, us here in the sports department, and we're going to have a little bit more in-depth conversation about some of the unseen impacts that COVID has had on sports. Obviously, there's been a lot of things that have happened in general with rule changes and masks and all that stuff, but we're talking about the stuff you don't really think about that has really taken a toll on players and coaches. And at the end of this, we're obviously going to put somebody else into the Hall of Fame and then tell you about some of the bad sports beats that we've had in our lives. We have sports betting here in Michigan now. Andrew's been on we've the train. We've had sports betting here No, but in Andrew's, Andrew's, Andrew's been on the train, and uh, I hopped on this weekend, so we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in our the episode. Bad it was, <laughs> I'll, yeah, I, it was a lot of fun um, watching all my money go down the drain. So All your money? Well, I mean, it was just what I bet on. So oh. Either way, we'll get into that later. We have a little bit to talk about here before we actually get into the episode. You fellas were itching. I heard that James had a meltdown on the golf course this weekend. Can um, I absolute this? Yeah, that's what I'm about to okay. ask you. Go, go for it. I heard that he had a meltdown, Andrew. Yeah. You guys golfed without me. What happened to this guy? So it's a par 35, right? Maybe like 180 yards over water. And, um, I'd, and I'd been slogging through the first four holes. Yeah. Just not golfing well at all. It was actually 170, so like 175. For me, it's my five iron range. For James, it's his hybrid range, probably, right? I, I don't think, care what happened. No, I think on that hole, I used like my seven wood or something. Okay. Something like that. And I crushed it and I hit it over the green. Yeah. And then I was trying to pitch back on. You hit it into the tee box of the sixth hole. And. You were pretty mad that it got there, and you drive, and then you're, like, looking for your ball, and I'm looking for mine, too, on the right side of the water, and then I'm like, James, is this a t- it's at the tee box, and you're like, really? And then, I pitched, and then I pitched from there and then missed the green and, and shot over the green. And then on my other, and then on my second pitch, just kind of whiffed yeah. or something like that. And, and that's when and it that's, really started. And that's when I just started swinging the club. and just. Did you murder the ground? Uh, several times, and then I murdered my pitching wedge, which no longer is a functional golf club. It's actually broken. Yeah, the head broke off. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bring it in today and drop it on the table. <laughs> I didn't see that much. Did you I hit your horn? Did you hit the cart again? <laughs> no, not that. T- no. Later on, I like one time I like smacked the uh, wheel one time. 
think, so yes, he the hit the card of, again. The handle of a club. So yes, he hit the card again. When I saw <laughs> you not, unleash, not as forcefully. When I yeah, when I saw well, you I saw unleash, you, I saw the, I saw you chuck the ball into the woods too. Oh my god! Yeah, I did on that same hole. And I, did you, I, did you I, break I the rake and throw it back in the woods? Go home. No, the, actually no, the rake was already broken. Oh in, my in god! Somebody else had a bad somebody, day too. Yeah, I don't know if it's that hole or not. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't have to rake the sand because the sand the rake's already broken. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, yeah. Golf can bring out the worst in me. That's hilarious. Like, I, have, I have a temper, I see, I, and I have it under control most I've never of the seen time, it anywhere else. And it's just the golf is like the one thing. That can be an extremely and frustrating And it's game. even worse now that I've like gotten a bit better. Yeah, because now, now I expect a lot more You have myself. reason to be frustrated? Yeah. That's why I told him for the longest time. I was like, you suck so bad. You can't be mad. Yeah. No, You're I'm not. not. You don't expect yeah. But when you actually make shots, and then you suck, it's like... It's worse. Much much worse. Yeah, no, I, I saw a meme yesterday from like one of the, the golf pages on Instagram, and it was you know Michael Scott who was just like, I want to kill myself because it was like, yeah, when you hit the drive and then you duff your next two pitches, it was basically mm-hmm. what you did. We I, did I did rebound to shoot a fifty-one on the back nine, which is still not good. That's fine for me, but that's fine. It was much better than the front nine. We got we got to we got to rebound into the episode because we still have a lot to talk about today. Got to remind you, this is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. That means we're putting our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and getting into the pulse. Football is kind of king right now. We always kind of get excited over it, especially it's only the second week. We've got to see some more teams. We've kind of spread our wealth a little bit and have a little bit more to report. So we're going to dive in with Andrew first. He went and saw Kingsley absolutely roll over Ogemaw Heights and was pretty impressed with what he saw. I mean, especially from the kids. I know that we talked about them on this podcast a couple of times. They lost their three skill guys from last year. But it looks like Owen Graves just stepped into that role and filled it out. What did you see from the Stags this past weekend? I thought it was more Evan Douglas than anyone Friday night. He just seemed to have really good control of his drives, and he there was one on four, there was one towards the end of the second quarter where they drew a penalty. Somehow they get the ball back on fourth down. He throws a pick. Team recovers the ball on the ensuing return. And now it's first down and it takes four plays for him to get to the end zone. He just seemed like he was making the right decisions. He was getting the right plate calls. The, he was being put in the right situations, which for sometimes for some athletes, that's half the battle, is having a coach that knows how to bring out the best of you as an athlete. Coach Tim Moore, really, he really complimented him after the game and said he was really impressed with that in particular. And their defense just made stops too. Before the twos and threes got in, they were having a six-quarter shutout. I think it lasted six – I think my calculation was six quarters, 10 minutes, and 54 seconds as they didn't let a – they outscored their first two opponents like 76 to nothing. Um, that's pretty impressive. And like you said, Owen Graves just kept getting one, two, three yards down the middle. I think he finished with about 80 yards total on uh, 10 or 11 carries. And you know that those aren't numbers that will stand out on a stat sheet, but hey. Hey, man, that's eight yards of carry. But yeah. <laughs> if that's all it is, that's eight yards of carry. That stands out on a stat sheet to me. That is one of the faster kids at Kingsley. We know how Coach, you know, War runs his team, and like you said, they're going to run the football the majority of the time. Yeah, I mean, I uh, was at Thoroughby for that Traverse City Central and Petoskey game on Friday, and once again, I, I was actually really surprised with what Petoskey brought in the first half against Central. I didn't see the same team in the first quarter, at the very least, from the Trojans that I did in the Patriot game against Traverse City West. I know, once again, there's more energy, and even Coach Eric Sugars was like, you know, the emotions are a bit higher uh, in that first game of the year, and, you know, they, he felt that they kind of come out a little flat, but the, the one thing was Petoskey was just like, they had more physicality, they were kind of outworking Traverse City Central in the first, you know, about 10, 12 minutes of the game, had a couple four stops on fourth down to get turnovers on down, just, they, I think it was like third and eight, fourth and eight, and, you know, they were inside the 18, or inside the 20-yard line, and Petoskey was able to stop Traverse City Central from getting a first down or even scoring, eating up Josh Burnham in the backfield, and it just seemed that they kind of got burnt out a little bit as the game went on, and Traverse City Central's athleticism was able to kind of just overcome that physicality and kind of weave their way through, and especially, you know, having as many kids as Traverse City Central does compared to Petoskey makes a big difference. That, uh, I, I think that was a big thing. I could even see, in, I was there for the first half taking pitchers, and I could even see that between the first and the second quarter. I mean, it just uh, started. The, the, yeah, the game started taking a toll. The, Toski wasn't as deep as TC Central and wasn't running as many guys in and out of the game and stuff, and you could just see that. But one of the things that stands out to me about watching TC Central on defense, though, is that wherever the ball ends up in the play, Josh Burnham ends up in that play. He is always there, pretty much every play. Mm-hmm. 
ends with Josh Burnham at the ball. That, maybe not him making the tackle, but he's he's right there. I, he, he diagnoses plays about as well as any high school player I've seen. Yeah. I mean, like I said a couple weeks ago, he's he's calling both the offensive and defensive playbook. So his IQ has to be pretty high up there, especially being able to read other teams and seeing holes or, you know what I'm saying, hitting those gaps that open up when they were trying to make holes. Like, I mean, yeah. Him playing that linebacker spot is just letting him roam. And, and playing a team like Petoskey, that, you know, that single wing mm-hmm. is all deception. And he wasn't getting deceived. No, you got to read it. I mean, Petoskey moved the ball. They did pretty well. They they caught mm-hmm. him on a couple. You know, that one pass play. They caught him on. They caught him off guard a little bit. They've had. You know, they had shines of greatness. And I wouldn't say at all. I think. I think Petoskey is. You know, a good team. I think Petoskey. Oh yeah. Petoskey is right there in that second rung in the BNC, right behind. Uh, Traverse City Central. I'm really excited. I'm not 100% sure when it is, but I'm excited to see that Cadillac Petoska game now because that should be a good matchup. And I would be really good to at least see after this week, you know, what Cadillac is really made of, if, especially if they beat Traverse City Central. That'll be a really good game. Now, James, we had a couple more big games this past weekend that you reported on just being in the desk. I saw Joburg won big, Boyne City won big again. We had Charlevoix come out on top starting 2-0, and so it looks like they're off to another great season. What were some of the other big performances that you saw this weekend? Well, Manistee beat Muskegon Orchard View. I mean, that's a, a nice win for Manistee. They're starting off 2-0. and One of a, a good number of teams we got in the area that are undefeated after two games. Like you said, Joburg, Lewiston. Uh, Sheldon Huff is, I think, probably one of the better athletes, pure athletes that we have in this area i mean three sport kid too we've been talking about him on this podcast for all three years this podcast has been around and he's starting to hit that upper class pinnacle so yeah Yeah. i I would not disagree whatsoever yeah he's one of those kids that i'm surprised isn't getting more recruiting interest than he is but joeberg's just a small school what are they're in division seven aren't they i think they're eight this year yeah yeah so that's just small yeah and i mean you know and they beat tawas which is a school that's student-wise almost twice as big yeah much bigger than uh, and they beat him thirty-five to nothing. I mean, are they? I with Sheldon Huff and and those guys, they have to be like a threat to win the legacy division of the NMFL, right? Yeah, they're a team that's going to have to be reckoned with, and in, and in that Division Eight playoff field too. Um, but you know, we saw that the uh, the groupings were released last week and stuff. But, um, I, I like I like their chances. I think they're going to be one of the teams that can make a definite long run. Yeah, I've... Uh, another one is Gaylord St. Mary. They piled up 54 points this week, so, so that's the second week in a row they've gotten over 50. Yeah, and they come, come from a bunch of different people. Yeah, yeah, they're just not. It's not. Brady it's not. Hunter. Yeah, I was about to say it's not just all Brady Hunter this year. You know, yeah, Boyne City put up 60. That's a lot. This this week on Calcasca, 60 to zero, a yeah. shutout nonetheless. Yep. I mean, you know, Calcasca's obviously struggling this year and everything, but 60, they've been through 60 they've... points, and they they put up a pretty good fight, a lot like Petoskey and TZ Central. Yeah. Boyne put up a pretty good fight with. Lake. Yeah, I I, was I just came away from that game impressed. I just feel bad for Calcasca because in just in my time here, what I've seen them go through four head coaches, maybe five. One of them was just like a step in intern to finish the season. You know, then it's just been it's just been so hard for that program to get any stability. It that mm-hmm. it just hurts. Uh, hurt. And they, I mean, they got yeah. like a, I, I think they'll get, they'll get that back. They will. With, they just with Jeremy need, Wilkinson. They but, need time. But yeah, they need time though, and that's what it has to be. And yep. As long as he sticks around, which you know he will. He's a Calcasca guy yep. uh, through and through. But it just needs to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, give him some time. I'm pretty sure he'll, uh, you know, right the ship there and get them back to where they, to where they were a couple years ago, where they were one of those teams that, you know, you you couldn't overlook any week. They were one of those teams that you had to get by to win the league. Not they were maybe not necessarily the best team in the league, but they were one of those teams you had to worry about. Now I want to talk about our other two Trevor City schools before we get out of the pulse. Traverse City St. Francis, what did you what did you see from them? I know that you've you know got a couple eyes on them, but how do you think they're going to match up with Kingsley this weekend? In that game against the Sioux, I mean, it was a little different because they were missing the two big linemen in in week one. But last week when they had them back, they were able to to take care of a of a pretty good Grayling team, forty two to twenty after trailing fourteen to nothing early in the game. You know, Sounds I, a lot I, like what they did last year against Grayling. <laughs> yeah, and I think that Kingsley is obviously going to be the the favorite in this game, just because they've got, they've got a lot of weapons. St. Francis has St. Francis has been getting more of kind of a uh, I don't know running back by committee this year. You know they don't have like that one Danny Passano type guy that they go to all the time or Joey Muzlakovich or anything like that. They've been kind of spreading it around and stuff, and they're gonna have to do that again against uh, Kingsley to stay in this game. 
Yeah. yeah. What do you guys make of uh, this week's matchup? So at least from a point in the season standpoint, you know, it's week three of a six-week season. Is it mid-season we got to win? Or is it you can still clear up some of the things that you might have been doing wrong this whole time? Well, I mean, you have to win. It's yeah. only a six-game season. That's mm-hmm. it. This is That's what I was saying, especially with some of the conference matchups that we're talking about right now. This is this is make or break. This is do or die. You know, this like I said, it's not de facto because it's obviously – but it's not that, you know, either Cadillac or Traverse City Central would win out, you know, guaranteed over the rest of the Big North Conference teams. But you don't win this week – it's out of your hands, you know, and that's kind of how it is going to be for a lot of these conference matchups coming up this week and especially into the next one or the week after that. I, I feel like the majority of this season, most coaches are going to be okay with working through stuff and still doing new stuff. Everybody makes the playoffs and well, <laughs> almost everybody makes the playoffs. Almost everybody we discovered. Yeah. yeah, that a little bit different. Almost everybody makes the playoffs. But I mean, regardless of that fact, I feel like everybody has to understand that there wasn't enough preparation time to, you know, be perfect on this. Now, well, let's take our gears over to Traverse City West just for a second. I'm just going to run through that. I talked to Coach Greg Vaughn yesterday, and they trounced Alpina 49-0, to putting up all those points in the first three quarters. Stuck to the ground a lot more against Alpina. Obviously, when you have the lead, you're going to do that anyways, but they rushed 33 times for 336 yards as a team. Had four scores on the ground, and yeah, I mean, they still opened it up, but you know, Coach Greg Vaughn was like, man, he, they, he just thought that they, they felt so much better coming out in that game. He's like... You could just tell it was just a whole different mental place, a whole different like, a whole different way they went about it. And he was like, they were going so hard the whole time; they didn't feel defeated. And as soon as you got up, it was like the train just started rolling. Uh, I know that obviously that week one loss wasn't, you, you know, that's not what you're going to see out of Trevor City West the rest of the season. But bouncing back 49 to zero against another conference opponent, although, although Alpino we know has. I mean, they lost 27-0 to Cadillac. Yeah, has not scored yet. This yeah, season. they haven't scored yet. But and, and we know that they've had some trouble in the, over the last pretty pretty good chunk of years with, with wins. But regardless, bouncing back from a loss to the arrival to a 49-0 win has to put the confidence back in the season for the Titans. Yeah. Alpina's last winning season was 2004. Been a while. Like I said, a big chunk of years. I didn't want to – I didn't want to – misspeak there but anyways let's go ahead i want to talk about a little bit about cross country before we get into our interview with cadillacs noah cochran there was a couple big invites this weekend one was the petoskey invite they had schools from all up and down uh the divisions race but when they had them grouped they put traverse city central with benzie central again so hunter jones and drew seabase got another chance to race against each other which was interesting because we know what happened at the Pete moss invite and he beat drew seabase by what was it 15 seconds when Drew Seabase dropped 40 seconds off of his PR. In this race, before, you know, I talked to Asa Kelly and I talked to um, Julie Duffing and a couple of people who were at the race. Hunter Jones was actually behind Seabase for the majority of this race. Seabase was pushing him and pushing him. And they said there was only a two and a half second difference between the two. And it was literally, it came down to the last 50 meter sprint. When Hunter Jones had to just bust out and pass Seabase at the end because Seabase, I guess, was going all out, which. You have to. And just uh, these two guys going at it this year is going to be really – it already is fun to watch. It's cool to see, mm-hmm. especially because they're not going to be able to face off in the state finals, you know, with a difference in divisions and everything, which really stinks. Mm-hmm. But because we know that Hunter Jones is basically going to run away with a Division three state state title. He, he technically probably belongs running with the Division one runners. But this is the only type of times that we get to see this. I think that's awesome that uh, – mm-hmm. I mean, Drew is really giving him a run for his money right now. Yeah, and, and and he's we were just talking about Alpina, transfer from Alpina. He moved here I think after his sophomore year, and he was an all-state runner in Alpina even. I just don't think they had much to go with him, and everything. So the family moved to here, and he's been just leading that team for the last two years, and and come on even more this season as a as a senior. Yeah, what was it? Yeah, even last year we I think we had Cole Truskowski as a junior was our cross country runner of the year for Traverse City Central. And then Drew Seabase came in and just started beating him on his own team. And I was like, impressive, my friend, impressive. Mm-hmm. So th- that's going to be fun to watch. Just another one. Kingsley had an invite this weekend. They, they had a pretty good showing from their own team. They had seven girls finish in the top 13, which was good. Glenn Lake's McKenna Scott is still probably the fastest uh, low, low division girl in, in the area, basically right behind Julia Flynn, if we put Julia Flynn in that 1-2. Uh, McKenna Scott in that 3-4 division is probably the fastest girl in our area. She won that race again this weekend. So, you know, you're going to keep seeing her at the top of the leaderboards as well. Yeah, and and the Elk Rapids boys won that, which is notable because Elk Rapids has not done a lot in cross country in 
in recent decades, maybe even. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, Elk Rapids cross country has really struggled. I mean, it, it, fall sports. It's now, Elk Rapids is not a huge sport, huge school, and they have football, and they you know with and they, soccer. they draw a lot on soccer, yeah, and everything. So there's not a lot of kids left over for cross country. So for them to have a, a pretty good showing at that pretty decent inv- invitational is uh, is also noteworthy. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for the Pulse. I think there's plenty of blood flowing through <laughs> the sports ventricular system this time of year. I'm, I'm just happy that we got a lot going on. There's a lot of good matchups coming this weekend, so make sure you stay tuned to the Record Eagle for all that game coverage and some of those matchups for this Friday for football. While we're chatting about football, let's go ahead and dive into that interview with Cadillac running back Noah Cochran as they lead up to the game against Traverse City Central and for the Big North Conference lead. Let's give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is extremely excited to welcome in yet another Cadillac Viking, this time senior football player Noah Cochran. Thank you so much for joining us today, Noah. Yeah, I really appreciate the invite. Yeah, we uh, love having the Cadillac Vikings, our guys from down south coming up here. We don't always get so many chances to come down and see you guys, so it's awesome to hear uh, exactly what you guys are going through down there in Wexford County. We're going to go ahead and get started off with our Freaky Fast Five, which is a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. Five rapid-fire questions where we can get to know Noah a little bit. James, you seem to pull some fun ones today, so I'm going to give it to you today. All right, we'll start off with this one. Uh, if you had a choice between two superpowers, between being invisible or flying, which one would you choose? I think I'd have to go with flight there. Any particular reason why? I would never have to buy gas again. You just get anywhere. I, anywhere. I could go anywhere. You could like fly into the top of like a football stadium. You wouldn't have to pay for tickets either. That's why I always thought about mm-hmm. invisibility. It'd be cool. You could kind of like get into events and no one would ever know. You could just like go anywhere, just turn invisible for a second while you walk through the gates, and then you're like, man, I'm at the Super Bowl now. All right, if you had six months with no obligations or financial constraints, what would you do at the time? So kind of like, you know, COVID lockdown. Yeah, except not on lockdown. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to visit uh, Italy personally. I like the, um, I would like to see Rome and the architecture there. Mm-hmm. That, sounds like a, that sounds like a good trip. Yeah, Been there myself good. and it's definitely worth the trip. That's a good one. Okay. This kind of goes along with what we talked about pre-show. If we came to your house for dinner, what would you make for us? What would I make? Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, I would probably have to do that Korean barbecue for you guys. My dad is actually from Korea, so he makes it really good. Okay. Yeah, see, we might actually have to make the trip down to Cadillac for that because we talked about that bimbibop, and that is delicious. We got, what, two more? <laughs> I'm going to be down there for that football game. On yeah, Friday. I'll be there Friday. So. Okay, pick two celebrities to be your parents. Like, say you, you, know, you can't pick your current parents. What two celebrities would you want to be your parents? I think I would have to go with Dwayne Johnson for my father. Okay, The Rock. Okay. Nice. Yeah, um, I would definitely be in shape. I think you'd be a bit more than in shape, probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and for my mother, I would probably have to go with Jennifer Lawrence. If I was talking to your best friend, what is one thing they would say that you need to work on? My handwriting. Chicken scratch, huh? With yeah, I, I I like to write really. I move really fast when I write, so it's it's awful. Is it one of those that only you can read it? Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was a freaky fast five. The nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. Good to get to know Noah a little bit. We're gonna go ahead and dive into the rest of our interview here and get to know Noah and the Vikings a little bit. We have watched Cadillac go on a bit of an upward trajectory uh, as a football team over the last couple of years. I know you guys made that run into the playoffs last season, which, uh, you know, even after a middling season, really blew away some expectations. And you guys are looking at a heart, another hot start this year. You're 2-0, beating two conference opponents. How has uh, this team progressed over the last, say, 12, 18 months since you guys really started last season and to the trajectory that you are now? Well, last season, I remember at our team camp, we actually got into a meeting between the juniors and the seniors, and we decided that we are, we're not going to take any practices off, we're not going to take any games off, and it's down to business 
from that moment on. And I think we took that very seriously last season. Uh, we were led by Tip Baker. Tip Baker is a fantastic leader. And I'll, I'm going to credit a lot, a lot of our season to him last year because of his leadership. And then the rest of our team, we pulled together the best I've ever seen. And then um, this year, we have, I, I think we've been working really well together. We pulled a lot of that from last season. Although we've had new leaders, we're working to, uh, together just as well as we did last year. Yeah, I know uh, I, you mentioned Tip and kind of what he was able to do for you guys. But, you know, after the first few, se- the couple seasons before that, you guys really didn't uh, do so hot. I think it was like one win or two win seasons for a couple of years there. Uh, but it was really a stark turnaround that you guys had making the playoffs again. And then what, what do you think a 2-0 start does for your team this year, especially with it being a shortened season? Obviously, you guys get right into conference play and you get a couple good wins, 27-0 of Alpina, and then you win against Gaylord last week. Uh, what has that been like, you know, kind of hopping right into the conference season and getting a hot start right there? Our off season, we were really anxious to get back into it. And now that we finally got it back, we got the, our six-game six season. We, we've been so excited to be on that field again, and we're just, we don't want to uh, give up our opportunity. Like, we, we don't know if it's going to end tomorrow, so we're going to play our hardest, and we're going to compete and compete and compete until it's gone. I know Coach Mallory has been down there for a few years now, and, you know, when it comes to high school football, usually it takes a couple of seasons for, you know, the whole program to kind of get on board and start to mesh and mold. Um, how do you think that has gone, and do you think that has to do with your guys' success as of late? Coach Mallory, his, I believe it was his second season, he installed our the uh, Veer offense, the Flexbone. Mm-hmm. So I was in eighth grade at the time, and we didn't have very many winning seasons up until I think my first winning season I've ever had in high school was last year. Um, I think that we, we were able to succeed because we started a little early. We had a couple of years. We got used to it, and... I think it all came together last year when um, we were we started to get used to it and we were able to pull everything together after a few years. I know you mentioned Tip Baker earlier, and that's one of those guys who was one of those athletes that, that made a big difference for you guys. I know you have taken over a big role in the backfield just against Gaylord. You had two touchdowns, obviously enough to put away the Blue Devils all on your own, but... Uh, you know, that, that has to be a, a change of pace for you. How has it been stepping into that role and kind of filling those type of shoes? Um, I, I just have to say, Tip's shoes are enormous, and they're almost impossible to fill. Offensively, I feel um, Aiden Gurdon, a returning starting quarterback, and Colin Johnston and Carter Harsh, they're my other three backfielders. They have done a great job. They've supported me, and they've they do their jobs very well. It makes my job a lot easier as well. And also when I'm running behind the fantastic line, the best line I've ever, ever ran behind, it makes it a lot easier to carry that load. Um, you've got TC Central coming up next week. What, uh, what problems or, or things do they present that you're going to have to figure out to be able to have a good uh, result against them? Uh, Traverse City Central, without a doubt, is, prob- is the best team on our schedule. In the past, they've hit us pretty hard, so to say. I think that if we want to beat them, we're going to have to really get on the top of our game. We've got to have a good week of practice here and ultimately outperform them in offensively and defensively. Um, so when you play Traverse City West, do you and your cousin Austin uh, have a bet in the game? Uh, we've definitely had some talks before the games, but no, I don't think we've ever made that. Yeah, so you, you were talking before, you, you are related in a way to, to Austin Cochran, who's a former TC West wide receiver. Uh, just, just talk about that a little bit. Both of our dads were actually adopted. My dad from Korea. So he, he lives up in the Traverse City area, and since we don't actually look that much alike, like obviously there, but both of us, both of our families are pretty athletically gifted. So we've, are, we've always um, gone head-to-head at the family reunions. We've had a couple Vikings on here before, and every time I kind of like to bring this up is, you know, I come down to Cadillac when I come down to the games. It seems as if there's a little bit of an air of confidence in that school. Um, it seems like it's been on an upward trajectory as a whole in, in several different sports over the last few years. What do you feel like is the you know athletic culture at Cadillac, and how has the football team kind of worked into that? I think we take athletics really seriously in Cadillac. Obviously, everybody likes to win, and everybody likes to have, you know, the 
banners hung up with the dates on them. That's, I think that's all great. But uh, when it comes down to it, I think the competition, um, we, we see the Traverse City as um, the Michigan State to our Michigan or the Ohio State. Just like to be, we, we really want to beat them every year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like I said, it's like a, a rivalry, so we always like to bring our everything to that game. But Would you say that they are your biggest rivals? I would say so, yes. Aside from Bay City, John Glenn, okay. which is a game that I, I really missed out on, this year, um, I was really hoping we'd play them. I'd say that, yes, Traverse City, the Traverse Cities are our biggest rivals. I, I'm sure you're probably just happy for, you know, the games that you got, but how much do you think it made a difference in your guys' preparation not being able to have non-conference games before you got into the conference slate a couple weeks ago? Well, I think, we can, I, I think it's safe to say we see every game equally. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Big North or if we're playing some – school we've never played before we're gonna prepare pretty much the same and that's um as intense as we can be in practice and watching as much film as we can so we're, we just want to be prepared for everything no matter what the difference is have you guys actually managed to get film from the schools that you've uh, had to play so far because i know that there wasn't any you know games beforehand or anything for uh, alpina or or gaylord so have you been able to find film or do you have do you have any on central that you've already been looking at for gaylord uh we were actually able to get our hands on their Petoskey, the Petoskey game the week before. But for Alpina, we just had to use um, last year's film. Okay, kind of just had to go off of what was last year. I know I was covering some games. Is that, uh, is that, all, is that has scouting, has making those game plans, do you think that's been a little bit harder, a little bit different since this has all kind of changed? I think it, it is a little bit harder. Gaylor did some stuff we didn't expect to see, but I think uh, we, made, we did pretty well adapting to it. Overall, it has it is a little more difficult, but I don't think it's to the point where it's bad. How how weird is that that you're gonna play Gaylord again in like three weeks? It's gonna be difficult. They're they're obviously gonna wanna you know come back and punch some mouth, and we wanna do the same. So I think it's gonna be a lot more intense, a lot more competitive than our first game, which I'm I'm actually looking really looking forward to. Yeah. Now, what is the change or the the thing that's happened this season because of coronavirus that you've noticed the most or that has kind of affected you the most? I know obviously there's a lot of rule changes with like the football and stuff getting, you know, just put to the center. But what have you noticed the most that has kind of like gotten under your skin or either just kind of changed for you guys? I think the, the thing that's affected us the most and every other team the most is the mask. Before we were able to get like the face shields on our face mask, it – it was awful trying to run around and breathe in the in the mask, especially when it's like right on your face and it's sweaty. It's like suffocating yourself. Yeah, in game, have you guys have you noticed anything uh, different? I mean, the one thing that I just kept on I, I keep I think it's so weird that you guys just like bring the ball back into the huddle and give it to your center, and then he just like runs up and sets down the ball. Have Have you noticed anything else that's just like wow, this is different? Yeah, actually, the ball, the ref not touching the ball is so weird. But um, we actually we have to distance on the sideline too, so like we got to keep our, ourselves in check, which is something you know we've never had to do before. Another thing, we actually have to give uh, pre-give out tickets to the three or four people, depending on how many were allowed into the game. So that's 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 a little strange too. Yeah, how's that experience been? Is there family members fighting over it? Friends who want to come? How have you had to kind of like ration those tickets? Our home game against Alpino, we had five tickets, so I was able to get my family in there. But then for Gaylord, which was away, I we had three tickets, so I I I haven't had any problems yet. But it's still it's still like oh well, this is this is different. Don't have you know you know extended friends or anybody. I know I've I've seen some kids out like hey, I want to get to the games. Have, have are they allowing uh, any student section or anything at Cadillac? Yeah, we actually had all the people who were able to get their hands on a ticket had a small student section. You guys we have the band out there? Our, yeah, our, I was just going to say that. Our band is outside of the um, fence. We set up some metal bleachers out for out there for them so they can actually play and watch the game without affecting the numbers. That's a loophole. Okay, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's a good idea. Yeah, just set them up. I mean, they're loud enough. They just got to be somewhere near the game, right? They are a big band. Yeah, we. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, we. Um, yeah, I, I never would have thought of that. And when they were setting up the bleachers, I was thinking, man, what a good idea. Hey, hey so you guys still kind of get the full experience. That's cool. 
Yeah. And, and maybe definitely. not the full, but, but we're, we're getting you to like that 85% range. Small student section, you got bands. Is homecoming next week for you guys as well? Or this week, I guess? Um, You know, normally on homecoming, we would have beer week going on, but uh, we'd have all sorts of banners flying and posters hanging in the hallways. But, you know, we really haven't had anything like that. I don't even think we're having a dance. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's it just is. yeah. That's yeah. just a whole other one that you really never think about as a you know a, a consequence of all of this. Alrighty, well Noah, we really appreciate you taking some time with us here at the Get Around today. It was great to get to know you a little bit and more about the Vikings. Good luck this weekend or this Friday against Traverse City Central. Uh, James will be down there, so you guys will get to run into each other. All right. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Another huge thanks to Noah for joining us here at the Get Around. That's going to be a good game. I know. I think James is going to be heading down there and uh, checking that one out. Make sure you check it out online later this week for Traverse City Central and Cadillac. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking so they can make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. Let's go ahead and get into that chatter that matters, gentlemen. You know, this is our new favorite segment after where we get nice and serious with our Audible viewers. We're going to start off with, you know, a little update from Andrew. We've been talking a lot about COVID and how it's been working in sports. And, I mean, that's kind of what this, or this segment... Or how it's not really been working well, in yeah, sports. But that, that's, uh, that's kind of what this segment's been about most of the time that we've had it. So, I mean, Andrew, we talked about on this podcast last week how they were not required to, and it was kind of a big question, but that has changed. Schools are now required to... Uh, report COVID cases. Can you kind of tell everybody what has changed in the last week? So there was a lot of chatter going on between the Michigan Press Association and the governor's office. They were calling for them to be a a little more transparent when it came to COVID reporting in schools. The governor's My Safe Schools roadmap doesn't require schools to report COVID cases unless the health department feels like it's necessary. A lot of people in the press saw it as a problem because how are we supposed to follow up on the schools to make sure they're doing the right protocols? Do we then become kind of like a different, do we then kind of have a different role where you're just filing a network of FOIAs to get information out? And then you have this database that comes out last week that I talked about from the school teacher in Kansas where we're seeing, we're hearing anecdotally that the numbers that we're hearing from the state are lower than what the schools are telling us if we compile everything together. So Executive Order 185 from Governor Whitmer, Friday. There's a couple other things in those orders that pertain to sports, but the important thing there is that schools are required to disclose the number of coronavirus cases among its students. Now, the question is, how? when are we going to hear that information? Comes out Monday. Is anything that happened between Monday and Friday of last week? So it can be a week old by the time you get it. But it's something. There was a list that was released by MDHHS today, and the really interesting thing I thought found on it was it started disclosing the names of sports teams. This is something other states are doing. I actually surveyed all 50 states across the nation to see what their reporting is like when it comes to COVID and sports. Only two states are naming the names of college teams that had COVID infections. None of them are naming high schools. None of them are naming high schools or high school sports teams. So again, it's something. At least right now, they're reporting the specific teams in college. It remains to be seen if they're going to be doing the same thing in high schools. We haven't seen the next. We haven't seen that from the state yet. So until that happens, I guess we can say they're not. I they're never. I don't think they're ever going to do it with high school. No. No. But, but, what, but what, when, why is but when it different? This, when they have the school, though, we've been able to find out what team it is. For the most part. Yeah. Maybe we, the, I mean, the school you know, normally. found out, like, you know, TC West soccer, Leland soccer. Yeah. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. For the most part, that's because the schools are reporting it to their parents and the people in their community. Yeah. More or less. About that, it. That's more or less how it's going. It's not getting reported to the state. No. The state's not tracking it, and that's the no, thing. No, it is. But they're, I mean, but they're, yeah. not, they're not tracking and reporting that. We're, we're, we're the ones who are finding that type of information out. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of the other stuff that we kind of like talked about or, you know, have found out in the last couple of weeks because of coronavirus and sports, you know, James and I had, you know, we spoke about kind of starting a series about the unintended or the unseen impacts of coronavirus and sports because, you know, just over the last couple of weeks we've been in there and 
man, you can just notice the littlest changes, but they're kind of ripple effects that you would never think about, you know, and mm-hmm. you, we've heard from coaches, we've heard from players, you know, we've obviously heard from administrators, especially from administrators with how many different things have happened and how, uh, how they've had to deal with this and kind of prepare for this. But, you know, James, I know you brought it up last week. One that I wanted to, you know, talk about, and we're going to kind of dive in on is, you know, how hard it is for all these teams to scout one another in this situation. You know, yeah. like there's limited attendance at other games. You can't just send one of your assistant coaches or, you know, go over there and check it out. You're not, they're not allowed in. Yeah, especially now. I mean, it'll be interesting to see on October 9th when the, the, the last executive order relaxes the attendance restrictions a little bit so that you can now have up to 1,000 depending on the size of your stadium. You're, you're still probably going to have schools going by the same set of rules, I think, you know, where it's student athletes get X number of tickets per kid, you know, and per cheerleader and per I know person in the band and stuff, and nobody, nobody else can get in. You know, we, we saw at Thurlby Field the other night that, you know, the, the swing sets <laughs> on the uh, playground at the Montessori school, they just had people sitting there watching the football game because they couldn't get into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was people sitting in their cars in the parking lot just yeah. probably listening to the radio station and just with binoculars looking in through. I know that, like, it, it was weird because, you know, I, I think I mentioned the one thing that I did see is there's there's some people that have been at the games that I'm just like, what are you doing here? Rather than some other people, you know, uh, when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, fans or whatever. But that's obviously up to the players, up to the families who gets to show up there. But, you know, when you talk about the attendances, we, we still, I don't think anybody really realizes miss, what, what it's like missing the band. Or missing a student section. We've had a couple of schools who have, you know, really truncated student sections. And one of the, like, it was really weird. You know, this is another one of the unforeseen things with the student section is, you know, I talked to, I talked to some administrators and principals even. I was like, how are you kind of like deciding who gets to go then? You know, it's, it, they only, they're only allowed to have 25 students. And it's like, now they've come up with like this lottery or this raffle system for seniors all the way down to freshmen, and like until they fill the spots, a certain amount of seniors and a certain like, it's just like a like a raffle system in the school that you would just never, you would never in your wildest dreams would have been like, oh yeah, let's get tickets to the Friday night football game. But I, yeah, like but you you, you want to go, but it's like oh no, we got to put our names in a hat and see if we get picked and who we're gonna go to the game with this weekend, if if that's even allowed, you know, mm-hmm. and it's. It's tough. I mean, it's so weird to see. And I know, for especially on the kids, you know, I, I talked to a couple of them, and it's like, yeah, dude, like, this was our high school experience. Everybody grows up, you know, watching whatever the high, or Friday Night Lights movies or whatever where mm-hmm. everybody's at the football games. And it's just like, it's kind of like what you see as a kid and how you kind of, like, think it's all going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we can't even go to the Friday Night Football games unless we get basically it's like the price is right. We hit the lottery. Yeah, it's like the price is right. You get called up on stage to go, you know, be in the student section. And you only get to go on that twice if you're Ron Stremlow. <laughs> Just, I'll make a joke here. I'm uh, Ron, if you listen, I've, I'm convinced that there are three identical clones of you, all with the exact same Michigan gear. And because I see you at so many places, I cannot, I mean, not even three of us can actually probably be at as many places as that guy is. On a regular basis, I'm pretty sure there's been times that we've actually each seen him. We should just hire him in the same night. Yeah, he like, takes pictures. Yeah, we should just hire him. <laughs> You're listening, Ron. Put it. Put in your application for a part-time intern. That's what we'll do. Like the athletic director, part-time, very small gigs. We'll get you in here. Anyways, you know another 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 one I wanted to chat about was the referee. I did a story on referee shortages just this past weekend, and like the unforeseen circumstances of all that. It's just was kind of wild to think about. The one big thing that really hit me was that not only did they have to like reschedule games or possibly cancel JV games and such like that because they do not have enough referees to spread around or really just to get at all these games, is they're actually like at football games, they're cutting the crew sizes from like seven people to five people, which is not something that a regular fan would probably notice. Most people aren't going to you know recognize the smaller crew on a football field. You know, oh, we're here, we're good, but. I mean, you could look at it, and statistics-wise, I mean, we, I, I could go into an NFL, you know, statistic when they did the replacement refs or whatever. You can just literally see the difference in having the difference of seven people with an extra two sets of eyes on the field for penalties and out-of-bounds and time-keeping. All of that stuff is affected when you have less guys on the, on the crew because they have more responsibilities every single game, what they have to take care of, and there's just more opportunity for slip-ups. 
there's more opportunity for missed calls or, you know, wh- whatever it may be. That's not something that you see right in the game. And it's just a little consequence that kind of like pe- rears its head, you know, every once in a while. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. it's got to be weird for these referees too. Not, you know, like, that's a whole different ball game when you are basically down a man or down a couple guys or gals because you have no other choice. Yeah, now you have extra responsibilities because those extra two um, you know, referees had specific things that they're looking for in specific areas of the field on a play, and now that's either not getting covered and nobody's looking for it or somebody else is picking up the slack. It's interesting that, you know, that the referee shortage was enough of an issue that the MHSAA you know, caved and gave the referees the, the no exemption masks, yeah. that they didn't have to wear masks during the game because they were so worried about not having enough referees. They're already strapped. It sounded, and, and I'll tell you this much, just at least from my reporting, it sounded like that was a legitimate worry that they had to worry about. Because I talked to several you know referees in their upper 50s, 60s, the median age for referees, and they were like, I wouldn't be doing it this fall. They said, the soccer guys I talked to said, I would not be doing it this fall if I had to wear a mask. He's like... I, you know, I've done it. I've, I've tried here and there, but he's like, I can't, I can't at my age. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, I can't do it. And that, mm. that came from three or four different people. So I'm sure that was a huge issue. I know I talked, you know, there was one guy, I, you know, one referee I talked to who, uh, you know, he was really adamant about wearing a mask and he's like, it doesn't matter what it does. I have to, I, I wear it. He's, he, once again, he, he knew five people who have died from this. So that makes a big difference. You know what I'm saying? In the way that you look at things mm-hmm. and the big, he has a, he has an electronic whistle. Right, because they can't take the mask off, and that's one of the things that all the referees are always like, "Hey, we can't wear a mask because somebody's gonna get, you know, popped after a football play with that one two second delay, and somebody's gonna get hurt because we can't do it." And I guess the electronic whistles aren't as loud as real whistles and all this other stuff. But I I just think, you know, and I mean, especially with the health and the median age of referees, they've seen a lot of people not, you know, come back for this year, and you know, they're, you know, when I talk to Bill Parker, who is the president of the Northern Sports Officials Association up here, he is worried that people aren't going to come back because they've mm-hmm. kind of felt hey, they've kind of got that time off and have kind of like been, well, we're out of the groove. And when, when you get up there and in that age, that's kind of what happens. You know, you take time away and it's kind of harder to get back into the swing of things. And they're mm-hmm. really worried about that, uh, you know, come, come even the wintertime. And I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, there's three, three refs on a basketball court. Imagine if there was only two referees on a basketball court this fall or this winter. That could really change some basketball games. But it might have to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe fewer whistles, faster games. Possibly. Even the little things. Like, what if there was just one line judge on a volleyball court? Yeah. For the whole entire court. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be possible. Yeah, that's a, you think about well, that Yeah, you stuff. would think that it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, but they, they had to make it happen. I'm, I'm, I bet they probably could. But, yeah, I mean, either way, they – there's a lot of things with referees that I don't think people think about. And the one thing I asked, the one thing I asked him, I was like, hey, has it gotten any worse? And we'll leave it on this. Has it gotten any worse, like the, the, the referee abuse from fans and spectators with the, with the mask thing? And they're like, everybody wants the refs to be the ones to enforce the mask thing. All the players ask them everything, but it's just not their job. So I go, is it, has it been worse with parents badgering you or anybody getting all mad at you over calls or whatever? And he was like, honestly, it's like, I don't think it could get worse, but – it's been a lot better because I can't hear them because they all got masks on their face. So they just scream and yell from the <laughs> stands, and I can't make out what they're saying. So it's it, that's the one positive of having everybody masked up is that the referees really can't hear the jibber-jabber. It's like, wah-wah, wah-wah, wah-wah. Yeah, wah-wah, wah-wah. That's what I would be no, doing. No, like I'm talking too. like an old Snoopy-Doo episode. I just cry about it. Wah-wah. <laughs> Either way. Do they say, say Snoopy-Doo? Snoopy Doo. Snoopy Doo. Oh my God! I have to leave. I have to leave that in there. What? You said Snoopy Doo. Yeah, Snoopy. Who is Snoopy Doo? Whatever the Snoop. Charlie Brown. Yeah, Snoopy Doo and Charlie. What? Charlie Black and Snoopy Doo. Yeah. Oh man. Anyways. I thought it was called that, Snoopy. That was Chatter That Matters. That section is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak, yeah. We got two more segments. Let's go into the Hall of Fame. Get somebody else inducted, gentlemen. Always good to put athletes in. I know we had Josh Burnham go in last week. We have a couple new players here. Not all football players. Actually, it's spread across a couple different sports. Did he text you? 
Yes, he did. Yeah, he texted me. Shout out, Josh. Yeah, that that that's a big up <laughs> he move. Yeah, he said thanks, thanks, thanks for, for the vote, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, man. Hey, somebody cares about the Hall of Fame. We should get some more texts from these. I hope whoever gets in today texts us and says thank you. Hopefully they listen. Anyways, guys, I'm gonna put mine up first just because I was so sure who my Hall of Fame vote was for this week as soon as I left the game I was at. Allie Joe McKenna, the libero for Traverse City West. When they beat Cadillac last week, we hyped up that matchup last week on this podcast. We didn't really talk that much about it, but I'm going to tell you more about it right now. It was a five-set thriller, and Allie Joe McKenna was basically the difference maker to me in that game. While their offense was very good, it was the defense of the libero on those last few sets that just blew my mind. She was making digs that she had no business making against Macy Brown, who is the hardest hitter we have in the area this year. She knows how to pick her spots and was just – I asked her after. She's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm able to kind of read her arm. We watched a lot of film on what Macy's, like, favorite spots to hit were and how she kind of did her deception and everything. And Macy has this little thing that she goes up for a really hard spike, but she can just do a soft tap basically parallel with the with the net, and it goes almost straight to where the outside hitter would have been, but they usually fill in. So it's a really good move. I mean, Allie Jo McKenna standing in the middle waiting for this ball, and it goes all the way over there, and she makes a three-foot leap to save it underneath the net, doesn't cross the line, and I'm just like, man. And I think I told you in the last set, which they won 17-15. You know, it went all the way down to 17-15 in five sets. She made three or four saves just on the last point when it was 15-15 off of blocks at the net that I was just so incredibly impressed with that I had to put her up for the Hall of Fame. She had 60 digs in that game and held uh, 60 60 digs in that match in a five-set. A lot. lot. 60 digs and – she let, or she, it wasn't just her, obviously, but Macy Brown, who we know is like one of the most explosive kills counters in our area, only had 22 kills in a five-set match. That's impressive. So that's why I'm putting up Allie Joe McKenna, the junior from Traverse City West Volleyball. Who you got up uh, for the Hall of Fame this week, Andrew? Yeah, Glenn Lake on Tuesday, I think it was, they had a try against Houghton. I, I know it's only two games, but. Man, each of these stats kind of stands out among themselves. Like, oh, they, that would have been impressive just if that was just that. 14 digs, 36 kills, 30 assists, 14 blocks, 6 aces. That's um, doing everything. That's literally doing everything you can do on the volleyball court. And I added that up. That's accounting for 72 points. Yeah, and that's That's, that's like, 72 of like 70, that's high numbers. points. That's high numbers in every category. Two, 6 aces, good 14 blocks. All right, Grace. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good one. James, who's your... Uh, Nomination this week. All right, we're going to have two Glen Lake people up. They uh, earned it. If they earned it. The Lakers are going to split their vote. It's like splitting the Heisman vote. <laughs> I'm going to put up uh, Connor Choick, the Glen Lake quarterback, 9 for 11 passing. Efficient. Which is pretty impressive. I mean, you don't normally see that kind of accuracy in a high school quarterback. 187 yards passing, three touchdowns, 59 rushing yards, and another two touchdowns. Um, I, I, it probably is a little bit. It probably helps that accuracy when you're throwing to somebody like Finn Hogan, who had four of those catches for 149 yards and two TDs. I mean, he's probably got, like, the biggest catch radius of just about anybody in this area. But uh, So, Connor Choick, my nominee. All righty, fellas. we got to put it to a vote. I know. I, I, I mean, I want to vote for Allie Joe because I'm just uh, completely amazed by what she did. And leading them to that win over Cadillac is huge. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just gonna hop out there and put that out there. I'm voting for Allie Joe. Who wants to go next? Allie Joe is my vote. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with clean sweep on that. Yeah, I, mean, that, I love when my. Uh... In that match, I saw when they played TC Central. I mean, there was multiple times where she made digs, not necessarily just standard digs where you're thinking when somebody's got the ball in front of them and like that, but just saves that most you just don't see most players get to. Yeah, saves like, is like, a good way to say it. Yeah, like where Traverse City Central like basically had stopped. Like, they thought that this was good and had stopped and was almost started to celebrate. And then she goes and makes a ridiculous save, like, on the back line. And the point continues. Yeah, I, I, I'll i tell you, and I, we kind of said this, there's been a lot of good liberos. And, I, I mean, we have stellar volleyball players in northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like covering volleyball in our area so much because we have really good volleyball players up here. She is one of the best liberos that I've seen in, in the area yeah. in the three years that I've been up here. Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, I, I, the best libero I think I saw was, was Mia Osorio yeah. at Leland. And I haven't got to see her yet this year. I'm sure she's gotten and better. Probably, yeah. But then when I when I saw 
McKenna in that Central West match, I was just like, holy crap, this is like the best liber- libero I've seen in years. Yeah, so congratulations, Allie Joe. You are the newest member into the Get Around Hall of Fame, a very exclusive club with only the most prestige attached to it. So you're welcome. We thank you for your great performance. That's sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. And if you pay with Apple Pay, I've been getting free rewards on that boy over and over again. So hook that up if you don't already have it. We were not paid to say that. No, but <laughs> hook it up if you don't have it because we eat Jimmy John's all the time here. So speaking of Jimmy John's, let's go ahead and get one of our loyal Audible viewers fed some free subs. Who doesn't like free stuff? Andrew, do you like free stuff? No. I guess Andrew doesn't like free stuff. We found the one person in the world. So, without further ado, I wish I had a drum roll, but it makes too much noise. We have Traverse City resident and Austin Bills' dad, Mike Bills. Austin had a great performance in the game last week and in the, the, the Patriot game. So, Mike, if you're listening, thank you so much for interacting with us on Facebook. We will get those sent out to you. Take a look in your DMs so we can get those subs to you and your family. We got one more segment here, which is our trifecta, boys. I want to talk a little bit about sports betting. So, yeah, I want to talk about that. I made a 14 bet on a parlay this weekend. I did a 16 bet. And it was the first, it was the first le- like legitimate sports bet at a book I've made. I mean, I used to sports bet way back when, when it was nice and illegal through, like, hand-me-down bookies, you know. <laughs> but that, I, I think we're past the statute of limitations on that stuff. But I made my first sports bet this weekend, and it was just – so incredibly painful to watch the NFL on Sunday because I, I did a, I did three spreads and a money line. Because we picked the spreads here at the Record Eagle, which we started doing again this week. Try to kind of like get back into it with sports betting. And we pick them every week. And I feel like in the last two years, I've gone at like a 73% clip when I yeah. pick against the spread. It's been pretty good. That's if you bet all the games, of course. But regardless, I was like, let's do this. I hit this, I hit the spread for three games. I did money line on the Vikings and Titans, right? And... Of course, Steven Goskowski hits six field goals. And one as time expires for the Titans to beat the Vikings. Because I took the money line for the Vikings because they were minus, like, a couple hundred. And I was like, let's do it. Like, yeah, it's more money winning that way. Talk about painful. And then I watched the Lions. I bet against the Lions. I think I told you I this. I too. Bet against the Lions. I think everybody bet against the Lions. I would have. And then you watch <laughs> them win. I was like, oh, God. Talk about being just completely incensed. I've never in my life had faith in the Lions for anything. But I bet against them. And they do this to me. That's what they do. That's what I call a bad beat. They, they let you down no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Lions even... <laughs> were minus six. That's less than a touchdown. They're plus six. I, I, like you said, they will literally find a way to let you down even when they win. <laughs> yeah. Some way, somehow. All right. So I mean, they won in like the least convincing way possible. <laughs> right. it, it was like, I, I think the game was over, and I was like, it's, just like it, it's nice, but it doesn't feel like a win. For some reason, it just... Didn't feel like a win. What, what, what's what? I mean that that's that's probably my worst bet ever. But that's just because I literally was there Saturday night. So I went much, in after work and I was like, I'm just. I could have won like seven hundred dollars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was gonna say like fourteen. 14 it was forty is, bucks. Forty bucks on a fourteen parlay. I could have won like six hundred and seventy dollars or yeah, something like mine that. Mine was five to win three hundred. You paid five, a five dollar bet. Yeah. Yeah. See, I put forty down because I was like, hey man, look, let's. I played some blackjack. I went down there and I played some blackjack and I won a little bit of money. I was like, we can up this bet a little bit. I was going to different games. I was like, let's just put it all in the parlay. And what made me mad is I thought that was a four o'clock game because I wanted to make it like, oh, all the four o'clock games I yeah. can kind of like watch and be like, ah. But then literally the money line on the first game was gone and my parlay was done with, and I lost it anyway. So it's like that sucks. See, I felt pretty good about my sixteen going into Saturday. I. Won the Kansas bet. I bet against Kansas. I bet against B, bet against Troy. BYU smoked them, and Baylor smoked them. But Alabama, the team that you would expect to beat one of the worst teams in the SEC, does in the first half cover the spread, and then they put their backup quarterback in, and he's like not that good. You cracked me up. You jinxed yourself on that because I think you said right before you made that bet that like Alabama hasn't missed the spread in like three well, Jake, years. That's how I bet. <laughs> I go on, like, Odd Shark, and I see how many times the team has won uh-huh. and lost against the spread and make my decisions based on data, and then... You haven't bet yet, have you, James? just goes against me, no, you know? I have not yet. Are you I, going to? Probably eventually. Probably maybe? We haven't said that on here in a while. Yeah, I haven't, haven't done the probably maybe yet. But, <laughs> uh, I'm, I am probably maybe going to bet here. 
I might do some DFS. I don't know. Yeah, see, I feel like I feel like James that's a, would be do well and do well. I think in DFS. DFS is something you can just grind and make money on. Yeah, I just want to like hit a big one time on a bet and just be like, yeah. Look, I live 20 minutes from Lilo Los Sands Casino. I'm probably gonna go back there Friday and make a couple of another six or seven team parlay and be talking about this again with you on Monday. We when uh, I bet a dollar to win 400. Uh, I, I that's the other thing is that. It was sports betting at the very least. I always learned that you have to bet big, bet, bet big to win big. Or you bet small and you pray. Yeah. <laughs> I, made, I, made, I made one bet one time in Vegas. I had a, somebody I knew was going to Vegas, and I gave him $20. Just, yeah, just on so a, had on it, a yeah. lark. I just said 20 bucks on the Lions to win the Super Bowl before the season started. Oh, just in this case. Was like, and this was like way back. That's the like, worst like beat. 20, this was like 20 years ago. That was the easiest way to waste $20 and I've ever heard. Yeah. Literally, the easiest way to ever waste twenty dollars is to bet it for the Lions to win the Super Bowl. I think I have a yeah. ticket for the they, Cubs. To they win the they got the little the, the the receipt. That'll actually happen. They got the receipt for it, and then they uh, uh, framed it for me and gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, that's not one you're gonna want to remember. Maybe if they ever make it, who knows? Maybe if you made that, I bet you there's somebody out there. Yeah. I bet you there's some crazy dingbat out there who, for the last fifty years, has put a bet on the Lions to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of every season, and it just it just has never worked out. Yeah, the odds were big. The odds are horrible probably every yeah. year because if, if Andrew – ready, if, if we go off the way Andrew bets, how many times has this team done this? You would literally never bet for the Lions to make the Super Bowl because they've never made it. And who knows if they ever will. Just and once in my life. Just once. Always a reminder, please make sure you like, share, retweet this podcast, comment, gif it, whatever you want to do, and we will get you entered in to win a couple of free Jimmy John sandwiches from here at the Get Around Follow us on Twitter at TCRE Sports, on Instagram at TCRE Sports. And if you want to catch us individually, it's James at James Cook14, at by Andrew R, and at Jake Atnip on Twitter. I'll probably be raging about it that I just lost. Yeah, we I, I I think Andrew has the most fun on Twitter. But if you wanna if you wanna follow me, I try to tweet here and there and do something. I'm not the biggest fan of Twitter anymore. Such a volatile place. But without any further ado, we're gonna cut this off before I go on a Twitter rant. Because Twitter stinks. TikTok. We, we, have, we haven't even mentioned that in a long time. We're, we're going to leave on this. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode 143 of The Get Around. We will see you next week.